Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody. This is Howard Fox, the co-host, along with my partner, Randy Ford, of the Success Insight podcast. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope you're having a phenomenal day. I'm very excited today to introduce you to a gentleman. He is the president and CEO of Growth Accelerators and is the newly published author of Do You Want to Be a Leader or a Manager? If you can do one, you can do both. I would like to introduce you to Jack Fennell. Jack, welcome to the Success Insight Podcast. Thank you, Howard. Pleased to be here. So, Jack, you know, I was as I was doing the research for uh, the show today, and I was looking at your experience, I mean, you have been involved in a part of both be a manager and leading some major logos. And so it's, I think it's safe to say you've been around the block a few times when it comes to leading and managing. Yes, I have. And I've learned a lot over the years of what works and what doesn't in the real world. And so I'm, I'm curious You've written this new book. Do you want to be a leader or a manager? If you can do one, you can do both. What was the impetus around producing this book? Um, after college and a couple of years, three years in the U.S. Navy, I had a successful career at Xerox for 13 years. When I was at Xerox, I was the number one branch manager out of 86 in the U.S. twice, once in Alaska with 110 full-time employees, sales, service, and finance. And then once in LA South with 330. And trust me, I am not the smartest manager on the planet and not the most inspirational leaders, but I, one of the most inspirational leaders, but I had to ask myself, something's going on for this to have happened twice. And then I realized what it was, Howard. All along, I've been identifying, cataloging, and mastering certain activities, techniques, and behaviors that work in the real world to do two things. One, spike the numbers. Number two, curtail employee turnover. And I've been passing these on to the folks who report to me over the years. And after I retired the second time, I started doing a pro bono management consultancy for existing managers and for management candidates in any industry, any discipline, passing these tidbits on. I mean, nobody ever charged me for it. They didn't charge me for it in the Navy. I might've been having my ass shot a couple of times on the rivers, but at least they were paying me. Uh, Same with Xerox, started a couple of companies on my own. They turned out very well. My partner and I built them up, sold them to a publicly traded corporation. So I just feel, an obligation to pass this stuff on. About 30% of what's in my course and what's in the book came out of my head and easily 70% came from other men and women with whom I've worked over the years. But I have field tested all of it and I have stories to show why these techniques and behaviors work. And what's kind of cool about it, you can't tell yourself that, gee, I may be a natural leader, but uh, I don't know if I'll ever be any good at management or vice versa. Hey, I'm really good at management. I'm organized, put attention to detail, always on time, but I'm 
not going to be six foot four and a rock guitarist. That's true. However, we can transfer motivational techniques so that if you're already a good manager, you're going to be able to advance your followership as a leader. And if you're already a natural leader, and we all know this, that a lot of times natural leaders can inspire us, but not so hot at follow through, which can hurt us doubly because they get our hopes up so high, do not despair. There are techniques, there are forms, there are administrative structures I can give you, organizational tips. Again, I didn't invent all these, believe me, that work. And I've tested these things, and that's what I'm anxious to pass on. And that's what the book does in very simple fashion. Share, if you can, uh, the, the framework of the book. And, and, and as you do that, I, one of the things that's in the back of my mind is I've always grown up, so to speak, within my world. There's a distinction between leaders and managers. And, you know, man, leaders know, the, know what the right things to do are. The leaders do what they're supposed to do. Some, some shape or fashion of that metaphor. But, you know, if what you're saying is we, they can kind of play a good leader can be also managed and a good manager can also learn to lead. Yeah. And, and so in the book, the framework, you know, what are some of the, 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 the major talking points that really the reader of the book that you really want them to get, to get out of this? I want somebody who is naturally good at management and feels kind of nerdy and is not willing to believe in his leadership ability, I want to give him certain activities and techniques that he can master. For example, I want to teach him how to do an effective team meeting, the weekly team meeting that he does with his eight to 12 employees that he or she does once a week. I want it to be more useful to the participants and I want it to be more exciting. So for example, I will uh, ask, how do you open and close in showbiz? You're going to a Rolling Stones concert, they're not gonna open up with Angie, right? Kind of a cool song. No, they're going to open up with satisfaction or something we've all heard of that gets us on our feet. Get them all riled up. You got it. And that's how they're going to end as well. Now, the best way in any business meeting is to open and close with recognition. Everybody likes recognition, not just the woman or the man being recognized, but we all do. Okay. Mm -hmm. And absolutely, you close with recognition. And if there isn't enough to go around, definitely close with recognition. And then you open uh, perhaps with humor. I'm not a great stand-up comedian. And so uh, I would always get a New Yorker cartoon and start off and pass it around. And even when they sucked, people would laugh at how terrible they were. But it got us off. It loosened them up. And then you always have an agenda so that the people feel confident that the meeting will be over at some point. And they get a chance to know, the attendees, whether their topic of interest at the moment is going to be covered. And they might ask the boss, they say, hey, Howard, are you going to be covering this? And then Howard can say, uh, yeah, Jack, uh, that's going to be in there. Or no, Jack, but hey, uh, why don't you and I meet 
afterwards. All right, so Jack is satisfied, the meeting proceeds. And then it's also uh, one of the tips I've learned over the years, to the extent that you can have the meeting participants participate, they'll love it. Other people you can have from time to time in your uh, meeting would be internal or external clients. Also the boss, your boss, not, not too often, but maybe uh, once a quarter, something like that. HR can be valuable because the laws are changing. You just want to make sure that when the meeting is over, everybody leaves and say, says, boy, I got something useful out of that. That was a damn good meeting. Thanks to Howard for uh, doing that. And uh, I also had a good time. So that's something anybody can do who says, I want to expand my leadership capability. Uh, they can start to advance the quality and the fun of their uh, meetings. So that's one example. I'm curious, you know, you, you let off your response with, if I can help, for example, the tech nerd. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these are individuals who, from a behavioral perspective, probably very introverted, yes. very detail-oriented, not, not used to being the center of attention or conversation. Is there a, a more of a challenge or how much more of a challenge is there for that kind of individual who has a management responsibility versus someone who is more, say, extroverted and uh, and used to, you know, just getting things done and including others in that process? Is there, is there a difference in, in how you would work with them to achieve that? Yeah, uh, and by the way, a lot of the natural leaders get up and wing it, and their meetings aren't so useful. So they need some input too. But back Definitely. to uh, the nerd uh, who might be in charge of an engineering unit or IT unit. I got a lot of friends like that. You probably do too. You know, we all admire them because they're so bright and they often have a good sense of humor. Um, postmasters is a wonderful thing for them to do because it forces a change of behavior and then the attitude follows as opposed to the other way around. So without, ex I mean, next to Alcoholics Anonymous, I think it's the most successful program around. And if you work for a very large company, they will have perhaps a postmasters group that meets every Monday at noon. Otherwise uh, you just Google it and you'll find uh, where meetings are in your neighborhood. It's one of those things, Howard, where the more you do it, the better you get. Again, force a change in behavior, the attitude follows. So I have, um, in fact, I've had, a, uh, the way I got onto that one was I uh, had a couple of friends, IT uh, friends of mine who said, Jack, you have no idea what this has done for me, man. I know I only have a team of eight, but I'm so much better when I stand up in front of them. I, I just feel more natural because I've done it so many times now. So there are other things that people can do if they're naturally good at management to advance the quality of the meeting and make it more exciting and relevant. And if you're a natural leader, you got to make sure that you are sensitive to the benefits that are being delivered to the people. You may be uh, the prettiest woman in the world and lots of fun and quick witted, but if your people aren't leaving with something tangible, it gets old. So, um, Management and leadership overlap, they most certainly do. With the, the, the managers or the individuals who are 
on the path to become a manager. They start at different levels depending yes. on their, their experience. Part of the, the management track is also to get mentored or there could be group coaching or there could be mentoring by the leader, him or herself, for that manager or a group of managers. Is, any, is that what's covered in your book or is that a topic for the book that we'd want to discuss? No, uh, it's, um, it's a wise question that you brought up. One of the things I teach them is to make sure they get the most out of their peers. And if they're in the same discipline, that can be helpful. But at lunch, after work, what have you, make sure you're always learning from your peers. If they're in first line management, then you're talking about the same kind of challenges. Then make sure that you have a good open relationship with your boss and that you're learning from her or from him. And at some point, if once you develop a very good trusting relationship with your boss, you shouldn't be afraid to ask your boss if you can then have lunch or coffee sometime with her boss. And a lot of people say, oh, my God, does that sound like a kiss-ass thing to do? It isn't if you phrase it this way. Howard, you know, uh, I've, I've learned a lot from you, and I'm going to continue learning from you. I love it. And I want to ask your permission. Would it be okay if I sometime spend an hour with your boss, Olivia, because she's been around, she's sharp. And on the one hand, I don't want to be a kiss-ass, but I don't want to be a wuss either and miss the opportunity to learn something from her. But of course, I wouldn't do it unless you say it's, a, it's okay. And if you do, then I'll go to her admin and, and ask and say that you said it was cool. Take it from me, Howard, having been uh, a CEO a couple of times, having been a high-ranked uh, corporate manager, because of the fear of being a kiss-ass, which I kind of respect, People don't ask the higher up leaders for advice, and it's a shame. And I know that from personal experience, and I understand why they didn't want to be uh, kiss asses. And so uh, it's a shame because also people at those levels have good, healthy egos, and they're more than willing to share some of their insights. Most definitely. You know, we've spent a, a fair amount of time talking about the manager and no doubt within the book, there's a lot of uh, not uh, pieces of advice, some hints, some techniques and activities to develop management. If we could shift a little bit to the leadership side of the equation, um, you know, we're not all born natural leaders. Right. Some of us are, and some of us, we could be born it, but we never really learned a technique to lead. What's your advice for developing more effective leadership skills, especially in a society where everything is happening so fast and there's greater calls for this transparency. What should be, what should these leaders be doing to, to, to lead more effectively? Are you talking about the manager who wants to become uh, more of a leader? Well, let's talk about or the leader who wants to be more of a leader, the leader who wants to, because we can get a leadership position but we might not be prepared for it. So we have to learn how to lead. Uh, well, one of the things you, you want to do is um, remember this. The people reporting to you and me, they care about the same thing that you and I 
care about when we're assessing our leaders. When you cut through all the BS, we all care about one thing when sizing up our leader. Does he help me or does he hurt me? Think about it. Now, leadership is very important, but in the end of the day, does he help me or does he hurt me? And so we have to keep thinking about what are we doing, especially after we've hired brilliant people, what are we doing to lead them to their optimum performance? And if we've hired extremely self-motivated people, which is very important to do, then our job as leaders is to clear out the obstacles, clear out any demotivating factors. The first rule of management and leadership is get the right people, which means hire well and fire well. Second item is support them, which is obvious. If you've hired these self-motivated people, then gosh, it's your obligation to clear out the demotivating factors. So that's the, the uh, larger view. Uh, you want to make sure that you think about each of your direct reports every day. And that sounds obvious, but it's easy to miss some of the folks. You're always going to be thinking about the top people because they're asking you for support constantly. They have so much activity going. At the bottom, you're going to be thinking of people who are new because they need a lot of your attention to get off to the right start. And the ones who aren't performing, you've got to give them a shot or take them out. But a lot of the real solid rocks in the middle, it's easy to overlook them. So I developed a, a format that lets people, managers and leaders, think about or interact with each person daily. And it's a form that has over on the right-hand side the most important item that you need to talk to so-and-so about this week. And then uh, you can put it on a spreadsheet and you mark it if you've spoken to the person or interacted physically or emailed. And then other times you just have to think about them. In other words, that doesn't mean I have to interact with you every single day. That can be micromanagement, but I got to think about you. And if four days go by and I say, huh, I haven't even uh, sent an email to Howard. I wonder how he's doing. I better check in and say, hey, pal, everything cool? That's enough. You know, Howard knows I'm thinking about him. So that's something tangible we can do to advance our leadership profile. And then uh, there's the aspect of managing them one-on-one. -on -one versus just uh, in a group format. I remember when I was coming up fast on the West Coast uh, at Xerox uh, in management, I had a buddy on the East Coast named Steve. He was coming up fast too, and we would trade secrets. And I remember when he uh, told me about the time he took over his first sales management team. And he said, Jack, I didn't have the confidence to stand up in front of all of them and say, all right, I'm Steve, let's go. But he said, I knew I could handle anybody one-on-one, -on -one, so that's what I did. Over the course of a week and a half, I met with every guy or gal on the team, and I found something tangible I could do to make their life better. And he said about four days into it, the word started to spread. Hey, this is a pretty cool guy. He said, and then two weeks later, when I did stand up in front of him and say, hey, everybody, I'm Steve, let's go. He said they were cheering and they were ready to roll. So I, I kind of built it up one by one. And he said, I've continued to manage that way, even after I know them and, and feel a little more secure. And it's, it's really done wonders for me. I love the, this idea of, of visiting uh, or thinking about your, your staff daily and finding yeah. some way to interact. The, 
you know, if, and this latter example, I, 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 the, with the man, leader not perhaps being as comfortable standing up in the group, but starting off and kind of leaning into the little bit of fear perhaps of doing it one-on-one yeah. until they can become more comfortable up in, in, in a group. You know, in the time we have left, you know, our, the, the book it, I know has got a lot of pearls of wisdom here. And are there a couple others that you, you would like to highlight today? Cause I mean, I definitely think this, the book is, there's a lot there to have it all done in 20, uh, conversation in 20 minutes. Well, here's one um, that I find fun, anyhow. Sure. Uh, when I was branch manager in uh, Alaska, I don't know if you can see behind my head, but that's a bunch of Alaskan water buffalo up there. Twice a year as the branch manager, I was responsible for commuting, uh, communicating to the 110 people, sales, technical service, and finance, what the cost of living allowance would be. It costs more to live up there, on average about 40%. If you're going up there from Mississippi, you need every dime. If you're going up there from Southern California or Chicago, you need less, but you still need some. So it was my job to announce twice a year what the COLA would be. Mm-hmm. And generally it would, back then, it was going up a uh, half a point or two points every single time. Well, there was this one time during my two year stint that it was going to be flat. Now that wasn't going to be the end of the world, but that's pretty negative news, particularly, I don't know if you've ever been to Alaska mm-hmm. in the winter, it can be very depressing. Suicide rate goes up, the murder rate goes up, tech reps don't, uh, want to unionize, sales reps don't want to sell. Anyhow, I had to communicate. I got the message on a Tuesday that I would have to tell the branch on a Friday. So I'm sitting in my office saying, oh, hell. And then I look out the door and I see this friend of mine, a guy named Fritz. I said, hey, Fritz, come on in. Hey, man, how you doing? I heard you got a new dog. Have you taken him hunting yet? Listen, don't tell a soul, but the damn cola is going to be flat. And I got a whole branch on Friday. Well, good to see you, man. Well, of course, I knew my boy Fritz. He went out and blabbed. <laughs> of course. Yeah. By the time Friday rolled around, everybody knew. And it was, yeah, damn it, one of those economists know. Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, because I had leaked it, it had been discounted. Kind of like the Fed chairman saying that uh, they were going to buy more uh, bonds so the interest rate goes up. They sneak it out. And so the economy doesn't go crazy. The stock market doesn't crash. Kind of the same thing. If you have the time. Now, if something's going to really happen and you better communicate it instantly, go ahead. And on the opposite end of the line, if you have good news to communicate, you don't tell a soul. You get everybody in the room and you tell them all at once. And then emotions just explode. Quick example, back to Alaska again. Found out that for the fourth quarter, any salesperson in the U.S. who was 125% of quota was going to get a $10,000 bonus. Pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. So I got them all in the room. I brought them in from Juno and Fairbanks and did a half-day training session on a new product. And at the end, I said, oh, by the way, anybody who achieves 125% of plan in fourth quarter, which starts on Monday, gets a $10,000 bonus. And they're cheering and screaming and it's echoing off the walls and it was a bigger deal. So um, if you have time, I got to tell you uh, how a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, Laura Russell is her name. She was a sales manager at the first company I started. 
Ameritech Communications. And I told her this years ago, and she ended up applying it to the raising of her two sons. And they're both graduated from college now, but at the time they were little boys. And if she and her husband had told them that they were going to Disneyland this coming Saturday, and it turned out that he was going to be stuck in Milwaukee on business, uh, she would tell one of them on Tuesday, like, Scotty, looking a little shaky for Disneyland because daddy's going to be away on business, I think. Anyhow, be a good boy in school. Love you. And of course, Scott would tell Matt. And they're sitting around having dinner Friday night. And she says, boys, uh, listen, yeah, yeah, we know. No Disneyland. Other time, she and her husband obviously would pan, plan this in advance. They'd be sitting there eating their bacon and eggs on a Saturday morning. And she'd go, I know. Let's go to Disneyland right now. Well, you needed ear earplugs to block the sound of the kids screaming. So there are a lot of personal stories about how leadership and management and communication skills can come together. Most definitely. And, you know, the, I think the book, it, it sounds like it's just got a lot of, uh, you know, insights, as we like to say on, on the, the show, and golden nuggets to be gleaned from it. Because everybody needs something different. They're all, whether you're a manager or leader, you're all, everybody's in a different place. One last question uh, and I'm curious about is in our environment today, there's so much going, rapid change of innovation, exchanging of information. You know, we get comfort, comfortable, and then we get, then there's discomfort. How do you, what is one technique that you, that if you, Given your years of experience, you would look back and tell a new manager, a new leader that they can use to essentially stay centered. You know, really things change, but, you, you know, you've got to keep your eye on the ball, take care of your team, stay centered. What type of technique would, or uh, pearl of wisdom would you provide to, to those individuals? This is somewhat mundane, but um, every Friday night, or even better, Saturday or Sunday, you should go into the office and make sure you're set a lead on Monday that something isn't going to rock you back on your heels. You need to, if something is coming from your boss or from headquarters, either regional or national, or something's happening in the marketplace, you've addressed it, even if there, and if there's anything you can do on the spot to uh, respond, go ahead and do it. But on Monday, it's your job to be leading, and you want to be the person providing guidance and enthusiasm to the group. So either Friday night, Saturday, or Sunday, get ahead of the game, go into the office, figure it out. I think that's, that qualifies almost as an insight to go. I mean, I think that's <laughs> extremely profound. We'll offer you another one in a second. Jack, if our listeners would like to learn more about you, and your work, what's the best way to get to know you? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming out with this book. Of course. In fact, it's out now. Um, or um, what I do here in Southern California is I do pro bono leadership and management development work. I'll meet with somebody for 90 minutes once a week, generally four to six sessions. They have a couple of submissions, including a one or two page business plan focused on a single objective. 
And the best way to uh, reach me for that would be my email address, which is jack at growthaccelerators.com. Excellent. So jack at growthaccelerators.com. Uh, we're also going to uh, provide a link uh, in the transcript to Amazon where your book is located. Uh-huh. Uh, and so very excited. Congratulations. Uh, I, I, I imagine authoring a book is like having a, I, I equate it to having a baby. I don't know what you <laughs> equated it to. It's you know, like, that's a good insight because <laughs> I did it so that my daughter and my two grandchildren will remember me. So yeah. well, that's like having a baby. Right? <laughs> well, that's the perfect legacy. I mean, it's no small feat and certainly congratulations. And, you know, in this day and age, you know, we need wisdom from folks who have who've been there and done it, led, managed, and created, and you've done that all. So, folks, uh, go out to Amazon. We'll put the link on the, the transcript by Jack Finnell. Do you want to be a leader or a manager? If you can do one, you can do both. Jack, thank you for spending time with us on the Success Insight Podcast. I will ask one last time, just in case, is there any other pearl of wisdom or insight to go you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yes, uh, I would recommend a book that was written a a few years back that's been my most useful business book, and it's called Analyzing Performance Problems, and the two authors, their last names are Mager, M-A-G-E-R, and pipe, as in smoking a pipe. And what it does is it helps you decide whether you should fire somebody or not. Sometimes it's obvious. I'm not talking about sexual harassment or embezzlement. Uh, I'm talking about this isn't the right fit. And it's about time everybody admitted it and got rid of so-and-so. But you want to make sure that you're not acting emotionally and you want to be able to justify it to HR and to your boss. What this book provides is a series of decision trees that makes it very logical and honorable. My favorite question is, would he do it if his life depended on it? Right. <laughs> if the answer is, well, no, then find him another job in your company or put him in another, put him on the street. You know, and, and, and that there are other questions too. And it's, it's not a very long book. But um, a lot of HR pros have have heard of it, too. It's really a fine book. It's good for you, the manager, and it lets you cover yourself honorably if that's the decision that needs to be made. And remember that if you've got a lot of hot shots on your team, those men and women don't like working with people who aren't into it and doing their best. You owe it to them, honor them by having successful, hardworking teammates at their side. Most definitely. And, and thank you for that, folks. Uh, Analyzing Performance Problems by Mager and Pipe. Jack, hang on for just a second while we sign okay. off. There you have it, folks. Jack Finnell, CEO at Growth Accelerators. For my co-host, Randy Ford, this is Howard Fox on the Success Insight Podcast. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there and have a phenomenal day. We'll see you next time. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.